HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Located in West Paulette, Vermont, Consider Bardwell produces award-winning cheeses made with goat's milk from their herd of Oberhasselis goats and cow's milk from a couple of neighboring farms. Recently, their cheeses Manchester and Rupert both won third place in their categories at the American Cheese Society Conference in Des Moines. On today's show, I'm happy to have Angela Miller on the line. Thank you for coming on the show, Angela, and congratulations on your recent awards. Hey, Greg. Thanks a lot. That's my pleasure. I'm... I'm really proud. <laughs> <laughs> Along with her husband, Russell Glover, who's an architect, Angela, a New York literary agent, purchased the farm and later learned that it was the site of the first cheese-making co-op in Vermont. In 2002, they launched Consider Bardwell Farm, named for Consider Stebbins Bardwell, the farm's original founder in 1864. So my first question for you is, how did you both come to own your own farm? It seems worlds away from like your careers in New York. My husband, Russell, and I visited New York in Thanksgiving of 2000, and we thought we'd look around for... He's an architect, so I wanted him to build my dream house. Sure. And first real estate agent we went to had a picture of a gigantic farm on the wall, and it was just met. I said, I have to have this farm, literally, nice. the next day. We bought it. The guy said, you're crazy. What the heck do you want with a 300-acre farm? I just, you know, I knew it. I knew it. And then I found out it had been the first cheese-making co-op. And I worked with lots of authors who write about cheese, like Liz Thorpe and Max McCallman and Paul Kinstead. And they all helped me achieve my cheese dreams. That's pretty awesome. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about your goats? Because I don't know much about the Oberhasselis breed. What makes them special to you and special in general? Well, the first 
the first person who helped me uh, start to get ready to think about cheese and make cheese was a young woman from Provence, France, who had been raising brown goats called Swiss Alpine or uh-huh. Hosley, which is a town in Switzerland. Oh, cool. <laughs> and she was raising them in Provence and making fresh goat cheese. Perfect. So they were so pretty. They're, they, they're all brown, and they have black knee socks and back, black stripes on their backs. <laughs> and she took me to a, a show goat farm in, near Concord, New Hampshire, where they were all show girls, sleek and big udders. And we, we chose six, and we brought them home in, my, um, in a rented station wagon. Sure. And uh, <laughs> um, we built a milking stand, and she showed me how to milk six goats, and the rest was history. However, that was in the year 2002, and since then we have, they make milk kind of like Holsteins, a lot of milk, uh-huh. not a lot of butter fat. Sure. Um, so... In the ensuing years, especially in 2007 and eight, we started to cross them with French Alpine uh-huh. and Nubian for higher butterfat and higher protein and even more volume. So uh, we now have a lot of crossbreeds who are producing a lot of milk. Rather than adding hundreds of goats to our herd, we're, we're crossbreeding for um important cheese components and volume sure and that's that that's just due to the styles of cheese that you make right you wanted to make some yes. specific you wanted to age out your cheese a little bit longer rather than get those little fresh exactly. those little fresh provencal buttons which um i don't what are the name of those were some of the most the original cheese that i bought from you back in the day they were little rindless mm-hmm. fresh cheeses what were the name of those things they were called meadowy yeah um, meadowy I, Right. I, yeah, I describe them as little little pillows. Yeah, because we hand ladled, and they were some. One of the magazines we sent them to said they were sure that they had cream in the triple cream or something because they were just so creamy and yeah. delicious. But um, do you guys uh, still make those? We don't make them anymore. Yeah, alas, that's a bummer. I remember those little guys. I used to soak them in oil. Which probably makes so. <laughs> but I play with all the cheese. That's what I always do. Um, a few weeks ago, we did an episode all about vegetarian rennet, and we spoke briefly about microbial rennet. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your choice to use only microbial rennet? Uh, again, it was a little bit of a you know human interest story more than a uh, an aesthetic choice. My daughter was a vegetarian, and Peter Dixon was. Working here, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, no. pretty much full time, and she asked him about uh, microbial rennet, and he said, mm, "Didn't think it would work." Well, he tried right. it, and he really liked the results with the cool. cow milk cheeses. Um, so, and we were selling so much cheese at farmers markets, and we had so many requests from consumers. Farmers market consumers who wanted a vegetarian rennet or a microbial, so that's we just did it. It's 
you know, we often talk about trying it with Catherine it again. Uh, that's um, you know, that was actually leads me into my into my next question. I, I noticed that Consider Bardwell participates in so many farmers markets around New York and Vermont. But how are you able to maintain your presence in so many markets all at once? Well, we developed a system. I I did my first New York City farmers market at City Hall in uh-huh. 2005 when Mayor Bloomberg wanted to start a new market. Sure. And, you know, I had been working in New York forever, and I had such high regard for the green markets. I really wanted to yeah, be part great. of that system. And so now we have an amazing guy who managed Peter Henry, who manages all the green markets. We have um, <clears throat> four part-timers and two full-timers with him at a warehouse in Long Island City and uh he does he manages fifteen different markets. That's great. in uh the city. It's amazing. And and it's it's a, an import a very it's a hugely important source of our in, in annual income. But so you like the That's farmers me. markets best for as a venue for your cheese. do you like it better than the cheese shops? No. We we're very dedicated to the cheese shops. Um uh, it's we want to be everywhere. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> but it really does give us a good a good um, window into the New York uh, consumer market. Yeah, it really does. And um, and I mean, since you have your own farm, you can participate in the farmers market, which is really. Which is really yeah. nice, you know. You're um, you're staying yeah. there. Sometimes I see in the green market um, different kind of things edging in. You know, I walk through the big one in Union Square all the time to get to work, and um, I always see Peter over there. He's a super nice guy, and um, he's always he's always selling your cheese. Um, yeah, we love that. We love the the Paulette at Italy, um, and when you could get it to us, the Paulette Reserve was really my favorite one. Um, that, that oh, really, really? Yeah, that really aged that well. Um, I was actually going to ask you, how did you develop your whole portfolio of cheeses? I feel like the, the Meadow Wee was the first one I got from you maybe back in 2003. Um, was it – Did was Peter – a guy Peter Kindle was making – was he making cheese with you? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we first hired Peter Dixon to help us uh, to consult on, you know, our infrastructure and then we hired, <coughs> excuse me, Peter Kendall, yeah, uh, who had been at Artisanal, yep, uh, Murray's, and then Artisanal, and his wife Caroline Smilek, right, to uh, to come make and market with us. That's so and, crazy that uh, those names bring me back because I I managed the Artisanal I think right after he left in two thousand and three. I just, like, dialed back the years in my mind there for a minute. (laughs) I know. I know there's quite a history between then and now, isn't there? Yes, so Um, much. (laughs) We're all older and wiser. I'm definitely older. Better and better. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. So so you started out with those little cheeses and with him, and then, um, I'm sorry, go on. How did you get your portfolio? Well, we, we, we got... Uh, cow's milk from uh, a neighbor, and we were experimenting, and we actually experimented with Dorset and Rupert. Sure. And then we got some sheep milk from Three Corner Field Farm. Yeah, from Karen. And from Karen Weinberg. And we made something called Paulette that was a sheep's milk tome. Yeah. And we sold every last piece of that to Uh, Per Se. 
Sheep tomes well, just sell well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, when Peter Dixon came, I mean, the sheep's milk was crazy expensive. Oh, yeah. And um, when Peter Dixon came, we um, developed the portfolio, um, keeping the Meadowy, Paulet, Rupert, and Dorset names, but he refined them. Yeah significantly. And then we decided to make a uh, tome called Manchester, an aged goat tome, which is like four months aging. Um, And then uh, Danby was the result of having a glut of goat's milk one year because we started buying it from someone who stopped selling to Vermont Creamery. And we had so much goat milk that we put it into a, uh, a cheese called Danby. Yeah, I remember was, that too. Yeah, at that time it was an eighteen uh. pound, or yeah, an eighteen pound wheel that aged for about ten months. Um, just this year, we changed the format and the recipe significantly cool. for Danby. So um, that was the cheese that put the one of the goat cheeses that placed at ACS. Right on. Yeah, that one. Um, it was delight, delighted us to uh, have that happen. It's the first time Danby ever placed. I think I, I asked Peter, or begged Peter, or threatened Peter to give me some of the some of those cheeses I saw him uh, him selling there at the market, but. Um, <laughs> I'll tell him to be nicer to you. Okay? No, Peter's so nice to me. I got to be nicer. Um, what? Um, where did you say you sold all the sheep's milk, Paulette? I feel like I bought some of that from you. I feel like I bought some of that uh, back in the day. Oh, you may well have. Where were you then? Um, I ran. Um, uh, well, I, that I did, would have been in 2004. Yeah, that um, I was running the Bedford Cheese Shop then. Uh, well, that's exactly because yeah. I used to come. I used to bring it over and deliver it myself. Yeah, so there you go. It, there we go. Bed, Bedford and Per Se were the two customers. Yeah. We made very little of it. No, that was good. I remember all that stuff. And so, mm-hmm. so obviously, you're not uh, hand delivering cheese anymore. So, uh, since you Thank started, God I don't have to do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that would be that'd be tough because you have a lot more customers. Since you started this business, what what's are the major changes that you've seen? And um, how have you had to adjust to it? In the cheese world, you mean? In both in your production um, and in the and in the world well, there's outside. A lot, there's a lot more competition. Yeah. I mean, we were making Rupert, and then there's now you know there are quite a few people doing Alpines. And, a ton, really. Um, it's crazy, and then the Swiss have become so much more aggressive oh, with yeah. their own cheeses and and amazing cheese makers. So, but it, there's just so much, the competition is so stiff. I feel um, that on the mongering side, too, or I feel that on the on the retail side, too. It seems like, you know, everybody scrapes and scratches to try to get as much cheese from the producers as they possibly can, you know? Not always yeah. to the benefit, either. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we we hoard the cheese a little bit just to say that we can have it, you know? Which kind of bums me out. Well, and I think that the retail, the high-end retailers like yourself, um, Bedford, et cetera, are really uh, amazing for the smaller new cheese makers because right. it's so cool to have a new wonderful cheese. Sure. And we're kind of like the teenagers now who, you know, right now we're working really hard for consistency. Yeah. And, 
you know, we we went through the whole Native culture business in 2008. We started making Manchester with Native culture. How did that affect the we, cheese? It went really well. We were really excited. It made a really good story about ter- terroir. And right. then last year, our, our creamery director, Leslie Goff, who's quite amazing, she thought yeah. that, it, that the Manchesters weren't um, aging consistently and there was something not working with the native culture so she tried the front Donetsko freeze-dried and our Manchesters are remarkably significantly tastier and more consistent this year so that's really interesting we're bucking the trend (laughs) well that's interesting because you know I just had um uh Sam Frank and um and um and Tom Perry on and uh and they were just talking to me about native cultures and heritage breeds and 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 uh, protecting and protecting that and i'm and I learned a lot from that show uh because it really no as a, as a as a cheesemonger you know you, i i refine my palate and I can identify flaws and I can identify consistency in the cheese, but you know I sometimes forget and and sometimes don't know why exactly things taste like they do. And when they spoke to me about um, – when they were speaking to me about native cultures versus the cultures that are available in the larger – on the market, how those, mm-hmm. how those cultures that you purchase um, sort of level out the nuances you know, in the milk. Um, but for you, you're, you found that it was the opposite, that you, in, you liked what that brought to the table in terms of yeah. an acidifier. Yeah, we were getting chalky center, you know, it wasn't, the paste wasn't uh, what I call homogeneous. Uh-huh. Um, in the beginning of the season, it was very chalky. It just, we, we couldn't get control of it. And now we seem to have... Uh, nailed it in a way that we're really happy. Yeah, the about. cheeses again, have been good. You know, I got a ribbon, so yeah. no, I'm not going to complain. No, but what did and and you shouldn't, and I wouldn't encourage you to. I just find it interesting, and as with everything, I think that the and I said this exactly to Sam, like the truth or is somewhere a little bit closer to the middle. You know what I mean? There, yeah. there, there's a that there is a place for. Um, for everything, you know. Um, well, you know, we also tried it with Rupert and yeah. Paula in 2008 or nine, and you, you used your own cultures, your own native cultures, to get to acidify them. We used them. our native cultures for those two cow milk cheeses, and we ruined about, I'm going to say, sixty thousand pounds of cheese. Nice, nice. I mean, we ended up selling it, but we were calling it Scroopert. Scroopert, it's very good, very good. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, it tastes. It tasted okay, but it didn't taste like Rupert was supposed to taste. Would you call it Scrooper like Screw Upert or Scrooper like S C R Upert like? <laughs> uh, like screwed up Rupert. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. That's actually re- that's really interesting, and I'm I, thank you really for uh, for bringing that up. So, and I've noticed um, the changes that I notice, and you probably have too, is that is that the that there's information out there or. Um, but what I, what I like about uh, the advancement of our of our trade and our industry is that there's more d- 
discussion. So, um, you know, I'm able to talk with you or we're able to talk and communicate about those uh, things and um, and help people to understand the difference and even to know what, you know, what native cultures are versus, you know, versus laboratory cultures. That's pretty cool. Well, they're still very interesting. We, We took the milk from, we tasted all the goat's milk and took like the five goats whose milk tasted sweetest and best right and tested for good components cool and we cultured all five and we used all five for about five years and always made new ones so we would call one petal and one dandelion and you know right but um as we (laughs) i mean we're at about a hundred and 20,000 pounds now a yeah. year, and we really can't afford to mess around with the consistency anymore. No, and then, you know what, I completely understand that, and I really thank you for sharing. That's totally interesting to me and to our listeners, too. So we're going to take a Good. short break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk more with Angela. Hold on. Music for this commercial break is brought to you by Talkstar, and this one's called Relax, It's Only the End of the World. Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, period. Why? Lush grasslands, glacial water supply, fourth-generation cheesemakers, combining old-world tradition with the new ideas and highest standards. The very best milk. What do you think of when you think of Wisconsin cheese? For me, I think cheese curds, delicious fresh cheese curds, or deep-fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese Company, the operation behind the Pleasant Ridge Reserve cheese that's literally America's most awarded cheese. I think of the deliciously stinky Limburger and its long-storied history. I think about Raleigh's Dumbarton Blue, a perfect blend of English-style cheddar and notes of blue. I think of Emmy Roth's Grand Cru Chirchois, which was named 2016's World Champion at the World Championship Cheese Contest. Wisconsin is like the world champion of cheese, and once you start reading the list of cheeses made in Wisconsin on their website, you can see why. The Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board is a nonprofit organization funded entirely by Wisconsin's dairy farm families. Read more at eatwisconsincheese.com, and as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, eat Wisconsin cheese. It's a no-brainer. Welcome back to the show. We're talking with Angela Miller, one of the co-founders of Consider Bardwell Farm in West Paulette, Vermont. In a few weeks, on the weekend of September 10th and 11th, Consider Bardwell is participating in the 10th annual Washington County Cheese Tour with wine and beer. This self-guided tour takes place between the hours of 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., and visitors can drive through rolling hills and bucolic countryside of Washington County, New York. 
with a couple of stops across the border in West Pollitt, Vermont. Angela, could you tell us a little bit about what makes Washington County a unique cheese destination? Well, we've been having this tour the 10th year, and we cool. get thousands of tourists from the Capital Region, New York City, the Berkshires, Boston. It's extremely popular. Um, the reason Consider Bardwell, even though we're in West Pollock, Vermont, uh, half of our farm is in um, New York State, Granville, right. New York. Um, so we're uh, able to participate, and we are proud members of the Washington County Cheese Guild. Awesome. Um, I, you must know Jody and Louisa from Dancing U Farm. I do, actually. I haven't seen them in a long time. They... Um, they sold me some ricotta and some really neat little cheeses, um, but that's all on me. I haven't uh, been able to get over. T- I I haven't I haven't seen them at the farmers market, and um, they got me well, doing. They com- yeah, they stopped coming to New York because they had a baby. Okay, so then I'm not crazy. They spend a good part <laughs> of the year in uh, Tuscany, but they also yeah. have an amazing Tuscan, uh, huge. A seventy-five person dinner yeah. every Saturday night, and they import olive oil and wine from really yep. small producers. And this is the first year we've been able to get them to come into the tour, and That's awesome. it's really exciting um, because they're they're just first class people and first class uh, food purveyors. Yeah, they have um, an amazing lifestyle. I mean, I remember when I would go over to the farmers market to buy cheese from them. You know, they would be like, yeah, we've got to go and, and you know, and press olive oil. We've got to get rid of this cheese. We can go press olive oil and here, come try this salumi that we made that's in the back of our van. And, you know, yeah. I'll climb in the you back of the van to try anything. You know what I mean? And so it's like, yeah. um, especially salumi. So, um, you know, they were, they're really cool. And I'm, I'm actually glad that you, uh, that, you, <laughs> that you brought them up. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they're at the Troy Farmers Market, uh-huh. and they used to do New York. And I think most of their cheeses are sold to Mario Batali at this point. Yeah, they they take most of the ricotta. So I know that. Their yep. So anyway, uh, we also have one winery, yep. uh, vineyard, and one microbrewery, and. I because it's ten years, it's a big celebration. We'll have lots of bands so and music great. and hayrides and you name it. And we we'll, we get we usually give cheese making instructions outdoors. We don't have to bring people into the creamery, uh, but we tell people a lot about how cheeses are made. And we give all all of the farms give away free cheese. That's great. As well as sell cheese. Um, Who else is participating up there? What other farms? Um, Argyle Cheese Farmer. Do you know Marge Randall's? I uh, don't. He does a lot of yogurts. And oh, cool. And Peter Dixon helped her develop her cheeses. Um, and then a small, very small farm called Longview Farm, and uh-huh. they do goats. Um, so they're kind of homesteaders. Great. So Consider Bardwell is the biggest um Three-Corner Field uh, was in it until last year, and um, they have an illness in the family, so they're not in it this year, but we hope they'll come back. I hope, and I haven't, um, I haven't seen them around either. I've been trying to get some cheese from them. So, so you know everything. You, you know where, where my well, people are. So I They're kind of neighbors, yeah, yeah. And, and Karen's husband's quite ill. So I am so she, sorry to hear She's that. just taking a break. Um, but it's 
it's always a perfect weekend. The weather always cooperates, and people really love it. And what I'm trying to do after this year is develop a whole Washington County food festival. Oh, that's great. Um, with it's it's the I think Washington County has more agricultural land and production than any other county in New York State. That's cool. So this is a, this is your tenth uh, your tenth year. Uh, for that, yeah. have you seen the mm-hmm. tour grow significantly over the years? It has grown. I mean, I didn't know what to expect the first year, and I was sure. uh, I was alone on the farm and standing in our office, and all of a sudden, I saw two buses show up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So now I now I have everybody in West Hollywood helping us. That's great. And, um, we get a steady flow both days. How many people, um, people are you expecting? We 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 usually get around two thousand people. Ah, that's so fantastic. That's um, a lot of people for uh, West Paul at Vermont. Yeah, damn straight it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like that's like several towns worth of people when you get up when you get up and around there. Yeah, so it's it's just really good for community. Uh, we're contemplating a pig roast for that weekend, and yeah. we have. A- a hay wagon going next door to where all the cows are, and gotta have a hay go out in the pastures and see animals grazing, and oh, it's a learning experience. That's really pretty, fun. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. What um, do you have any tips on getting the most out of the experience if you make it up there? Well, you grab as much free samples as you can possibly get, <laughs> sure. and then you end up at a vineyard or a, <laughs> nice. a microbrewery and have a lot of beer or wine. Excellent. And you've had a great day, and then yeah, the and then the dancing you people are doing a big dinner, and you 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 eat it all off in the end. Who's going to be up there for beer producers? There's just one uh, microbrewery, and it's called RF Taylor and Sons, and they make their own beer, and then they they grill outdoors, and that's also an amazing country experience. It's very sort of bucolic, isn't the word? It's you know. It's just uh, people can sit around in the grass and just enjoy the day. And, um, and of course, the weather is always beautiful. Yeah, man. New England and, and up there, up there northeast in the, in the fall, what we get left of it is, uh, is really the best time. It's just, it's just yeah. classic. It's just classic weather. The leaves, the leaves are starting yeah. to go golden and orange, and people, people's jaws drop when they come up here. That's pretty awesome. And see it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I want to say thanks so much uh, for coming on the show and, uh, you know, for Thank giving you. us a little history of the farm and for talking <laughs> about cheese culture. And, um, you, you know, and make sure uh, you guys go if you can get up and check out the Washington County um, cheese tour. And uh, Thank you. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. Stay tuned next week right. for more Cutting the Curve. Hope to see you soon. Oh, you bet, hon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Thank you.